You're listening to the Sales Process Excellence Podcast with Michael Webb. Hello, my name is Michael Webb, and this is the Sales Process Excellence Podcast. Some businesses focus on selling skills and senior-level decision-makers and leveraging the internet for marketing. Other people focus on evidence and data and eliminating waste and continuous improvement. In this podcast, we focus on both. I'm really pleased that our guest uh, today, um, Nick Katko of BMA, uh, a leading authority in lean accounting. I'm really excited because because this is a topic that like turns people's heads around, <laughs> and and it's a topic that really changes the way you think, and it's a topic that actually is quite relevant to sales. So, so Nick, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Mike. Glad for glad to be here. Super. Could you? Uh, for the benefit of the people in the audience who might not have heard of you before, could you give us a little bit about your background and how you got to be where you are now? Sure. Uh, I've been involved in lean organizations and lean accounting for over 25 years, both as a chief financial officer of a few companies and as a senior consultant at BMA and now as the president and owner of BMA. I uh, first got involved in lean and lean accounting uh, as a CFO in the 1990s where we, the organization I was working with, we, we had a very successful lean transformation and I made a lot of changes in terms of the information that's used inside the business to make it relevant for senior leaders and operational people to measure and manage and make decisions. And a lot of that was just sort of natural because of of the lean strategy we were uh, embarked upon. And then later on, I met Brian Maskell, who was the founder of BMA and since retired. And he brought me on as a consultant and learned a whole lot more about lean accounting. you know, the lean accounting is really a management accounting system for a lean organization. And management accounting is the internal information that is used inside the business by all parts of the business. Yeah, so that's a really, net, that's an important point to, to distinguish. People think yeah. of accounting and they automatically think of financial accounting. And there's plenty yeah. of senior executives who run the whole business based on financial accounting. And well, management yeah, accounting yeah. is a whole different thing. Can you explain the difference and, and go ahead? Yes, the way yes. You... Well, so you have the accounting function. And there's really two parts to every accounting function, which is the financial accounting, which is what everybody thinks about with accounting, is doing the debits, doing the credits, balancing the books, producing financial statements. And that is an essential function of any organization. The other piece is called management accounting. And management accounting is the information inside that's used inside the business by managers to measure the business, uh, be able to control the business, and to make sound business decisions in alignment with the business strategy. So for financial accounting, you have a lot of, uh, that's what I would say, regulated by generally accepted accounting principles or the International Federation of uh, Accounting Standards. Management accounting is not regulated externally. It's, it's whatever the company needs to measure and manage the business. And so those are the two distinctions. Now, management accounting does contain some financial information, but it contains a lot of operational information. And the whole idea behind management accounting is to have good information inside the business to drive long-term financial success. Now, so my understanding of management accounting is that one of the key things that it can do is to dollarize the, the various activities going on in the business so that the executives can know 
like you may have a, a, a low yield on a manufacturing process, one of the manufacturing processes, and so that's causing waste and that's costing money. But there might be another manufacturing process that may have a little bit, you know, better yield, but the cost of the waste there is so much greater that that's the place that deserves attention. And unless you can dollarize these things, it's hard for senior executives to know for certain where to put their resources. Is that is that right? Uh, yes. In in a lean company, what we try to do is not necessarily dollarize everything, but try to get the right information to the right people to make the right decisions to, for example, either drive a cost down or in, you know, increase revenue. And one thing about trying to reduce costs, especially, and this is in a lean company, you have to look at the you have to look at the operating activity and understand what is what's driving the activity how much wasteful activity is in a process and the more you can eliminate the wasteful activities then over time the lower your costs will be so what's what's interesting about lean accounting in the lean management accounting is that what we what we what we recognize is that many many people in operations many many people in functions like even sales and marketing they're not financial experts they're not accounting experts so right. we want to give them relevant information that they can act upon that that they understand intuitively that you don't have to run to an accountant every time and say, what does this mean? So we're trying to build knowledge inside every function of the business as to how they can control costs, how they can drive revenue growth. Yeah, fascinating. So, so it's not easy necessarily in these complex business environments to, to know how to prioritize and to know where the waste is. Um, and so each company necessarily is going to have to have its own measurements that make sense to their own people. And as long as they're traceable down to observable reality, um, then, you know, they're going to be able to make good decisions. Is that fair? Yeah. What you want, lean performance measurements are designed to drive root cause analysis. So let's just take a very simple thing, uh, quality, you know, looking at a defect rate on a manufacturing floor. You want a simple, easy measure that at the right level of the organization to understand the true root causes of why you have poor quality. Mm -hmm. if, you understand, if, 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 if you understand the root cause, then you can do something about it. Now, let me give you the traditional example. The traditional example of quality is that the senior leaders of a company would like to measure, they want to understand the cost of quality. And they, they think that they're going to be able to figure something out from that. Mm -hmm. But the reality is they can't because they're too far removed from the process. But the people that are in operations that are doing the work, they probably know the real reasons why quality is poor. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you have to um, create an environment where the people who are close to the problems, who can understand them best, can do something about it. Yes, yes. The people who, you know, it's about who's, who, who in an organization who is actually creating the value. Right. And, and go ahead. Yeah, so so the the I want to get into what the heck does this have to do with sales? Uh, in just a minute. <laughs> okay, we're going to do that. Yeah. Okay, because that's a fascinating and a very important kind of a question. Um, yeah. And before I do that, though, I remember because uh, back in the eighties and nineties, I was involved uh, in uh, the the sales of ERP systems, mm -hmm. uh, and we didn't. Even always call them enterprise resource planning systems, but it was complex right. software that was supposed to help the production operation to, you know, 
figure out it was a management accounting system and a scheduling system, right? For more efficient. Oh, yeah. They thought the computers yeah. would work. And right, I, production I, reporting. Right. Yeah. So I learned about cost accounting and I learned about production scheduling and inventory control and, and all those sorts of things. And there were several books that came to my attention and I read and just really turned my, my head around. It was one of them, um, I believe it was called Management Rediscovered. And, and I'm mm -hmm. looking through my bookshelf here trying to find it. But it's by some uh, professor and, and he was pointing out that in the past, accounting had been so financially oriented that you, as I recall, it was, it was you know, for real management, you need to use management accounting. Yes. And another book I read uh, was called Re Relevance Lost, The Rise and Fall right. of Management Accounting. Famous book. Robert, Robert, Robert Kaplan, right. Yep, Robert Kaplan. Uh, and then there's uh, another one I have on my shelf here, Counting What Counts. I think mm -hmm. you're probably familiar with that one too. Yeah, Epstein, I think, is the uh, the author. So, a word about the progression there, and maybe I missed some big books uh, uh, along the way. But I mean, the the change in perspective here. Um, I, I wonder if you could speak to that. Yeah, I think uh, all of those books, and really, this I think this really started the the, the idea of looking more at management accounting started probably in the in the early 1980s as the traditional 20th century paradigms of manufacturing started mm -hmm. to change. Mm -hmm. And most management accounting systems, and I'm going to use in, in, in terms of manufacturing, but they were based on uh, early to mid 20th century mass production practices, mm -hmm. because that was the, that was generally how all manufacturers worked. Right. So what you have is you have this transformation of manufacturing strategies in terms of, you know, in the early 1980s becoming more just in time, which turns into lean and, you know, satisfying the customer, high customization rather than mass production. So you have the strategy changing, you have operations changing. You don't have the management accounting system adapting to the new strategy and the new operating practices, and that's why Robert Kaplan's book Relevance, Relevance Lost was so uh, appropriate <laughs> because management accounting was not relevant to the way manufacturers were operating. Yeah, and oh, when you talked about uh, manufacturing uh, production systems, ERP systems. There, many of them are still based on, and I'm not knocking any, but many of them are still based on 20th century mass production practices. Right. They'll give you they'll give you all the information you want, but if you don't operate in mass production, some of that information really doesn't help you. And there's much. and there's lots of assumptions embedded in there um, that that can get in the way. I remember hearing a story yeah. of a of problem companies would be doing lean transformations and they would be reducing inventory reducing lead time increasing quality but because the financial statements the traditional financial statements comparing um, before and after the transition the work in process went down the accountants were saying this is not a good thing because oh, yeah. the work in process was called an asset as if it yeah. was of some value to the corporation, and it's not. Right. Yeah, and that's just the way. That's part part of that. Part of that is the way management accounting systems, or traditional management accounting systems, are designed. Another part of that is the way companies, or the way accounting departments are required to value inventory, and uh, for financial reporting purposes, and. We could probably talk for 45 minutes on this, but I'm not going to get into it. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, if you have to have the relevant information based on the way, based on the, the strategy of the business and the operating practices. Yeah. And that, and when I talk about operations, I talk about I'm not just talking about, for example, manufacturing. I'm talking about all of the all of the other functions of the business. How they operate, the right. information needs to be relevant. Right, and now 
how is this, let's discuss how this is relevant to sales. I mean, I've, I have, yes. for example, always been fascinated by the parallels between manufacturing production and sales production. And, and right. a simple example, a simple example is it, it, it's extremely commonplace, especially in uh, businesses where, B2B businesses, where there's a complex sales environment. That mm -hmm. when you, you know, and you look at the, the sales opportunities that, that salespeople are claiming that they are working on, and, and there's no doubt they are working on them. Mm -hmm. But it's almost invariable that at the end of the quarter, there's, you know, only a small percentage of the deals closed. So they have to yeah. get the bulldozer out to push the forecast date out another 90 days, <laughs> right? Because they got so yeah. many deals they're going to push out later. They're, we're going to get them. We're going to close them someday. And they keep doing that over and over again. And it's like this inventory, quote inventory, I call it inventory of unclosed business, these deals that salespeople are working on, in quotes, right? Um, that's so similar to the working process inventory of, uh, you know, pieces and parts that manufacturing companies tend to accumulate if they're not managed properly. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and so yet in sales, none of that's visible. They don't measure it, right. they don't account for it anyway. So I'd love to have your thoughts and maybe maybe some things you've seen about how this lean accounting uh, might apply to sales and how it might have helped um, some companies yeah. in their sales market. Well, there are two distinct areas that lean accounting applies to sales and marketing in a lean organization. And one one area is being able to measure the performance of various sales and marketing processes. The second is um, uh, the financial management practices inside the sales and marketing department. So I'll mm -hmm. take each one of those separately okay? because they're, they're totally different. So you, you have a sales and marketing department and you start looking at it in terms of applying lean practices to to improve performance to create sales process excellence all right how do you know how well you are improving that's the question the only way you understand that is through relevant performance measurements and performance right. measurements are, are part performance measurements whether it's in manufacturing in sales in accounting or in human resources that is part of a lean management accounting system. It's a, you are doing accounting work. It's not debits and credits, but measuring performance in terms of understanding our, is our, are our processes getting better? Are the activities that we're working on to improve or eliminate? Is that effective? You have to be able to measure it. That is the only way you know. You can't rely on Sort of people saying, yeah, I think we're getting better or whatever. You, you need objective, factual information. Well, so well, let me stop you for yeah. a second to ask for a definition. Yeah. Measuring performance yes. of these work uh, processes. Now, at the root, if I, the way I understand it, what you're measuring is productivity, output over input. Is that fair? Yeah. You really, there's, there's, in, when you talk about a lean performance measurement, you want to measure one of five aspects of performance. Productivity, quality, delivery, flow, which is the speed, and cost. Five areas of performance. Mm -hmm. So yes, productivity, you know, is, is a cert, is, is, how productive is our is our lead generation process? How 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 is the quality of our quotes? Um, go ahead. Well, so it seems to me like, and, and I'll ask you this: is 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 it seems to me that productivity is the common denominator, and because if you have changes in quality, that's going to affect productivity. If you have changes yes. in delivery, that's going to affect productivity. If you have changes mm -hmm. in flow, that's going to lead time, right? So that's going to affect productivity yeah. and changes in mm -hmm. cost. They're all going to affect yes. productivity. So the granddaddy of them all is productivity. 
Yeah. I, now, I, 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 yes, go ahead. Well, let I me agree. ask this question, okay? Because in manufacturing, they are so completely oriented toward quality. What's yeah. the cost of quality? Um, you know, how do we increase quality? Um, and and there's specifications for quality. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm not sure that 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 is the the right thing to base. That's not the north star. Although I understand where it came from and why it's so valuable. Wouldn't yeah. the North Star in a plant be productivity? Because in, a, in, in sales and marketing or in a plant? In a plant. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing about quality when when you're talking about when you're talking about a a product or a service, you have to maintain a certain a market wants a certain level of quality. If you can't achieve that level of quality, you can't. You, you're not going to even compete. Correct. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, like a restaurant that serves poor food, poor quality yeah. food, yeah. you're going to. It's going to be out of business. Yeah, you they know, call those table sticks, right? You yeah. have to, if you're going to compete, you have yeah. to have this. Right. So you, quality, quality is is you know you want high quality. Um, what in terms of quality? When in terms of uh, in terms of operations. Really, with lean is you want to know before you deliver the service or you ship the product that that you will achieve the quality that your customer wants, rather than waiting for your customer to tell you yes. later on. Oh, by the way, correct. So that's really the difference. Yeah, but so, yeah, overall, I agree. Overall, we are trying to improve productivity. That's what lean does. Lean makes organizations more productive. Yeah, and it does it by maximizing value and minimizing yeah. cost, right? Yes. And so that's where we get to this, one of the issues, and I've, I've used this same logic a bunch of different um, times, and maybe there's a better way to think about it, but but it, when you have people working in a production facility and they have to decide, we need to, you know, we have some uh, waste here, we have to decide what to do, they need a rule of thumb way to figure out is this value here, this way this department works, um, these big piles of inventory or this big machine that only gets utilized 10% of the time, um, is yeah. this value or is this waste, right? Mm-hmm. And the rule of thumb answer is, well, the customer will pay for it or not. Yes. And and, and I, I buy that, makes sense to me. And I think, you know, you're dealing with with the production people in the plant and, and you need a common sense way in any human endeavor, right? For average mm-hmm. people to figure out what the right, what's the goal? What's the North star. Mm-hmm. And, but I always had trouble with that in sales because by definition, right. you don't know what they will value, right. what they will pay for. Right. Um, yeah. and so, so, so the, the well, ability to distinguish value from waste is key. So go ahead, speak to that. Okay. Well, you know what you have to do. Well, first of all, let me let me give you the, the dirty little secret about lean and productivity and waste elimination. Mm-hmm. So, if you if whatever process you're talking about in whatever part of the organization you're talking about, if you eliminate waste, what you do is you create time, and then you use that time to apply it to doing what your customers want. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 sort of what pro, that's what lean does and that's why yeah. productivity is very it, important. It, it essentially increases capacity. Yes, it does. So when uh, when inside sales and marketing you have many different processes. You have lead generation, you have uh you know, uh request for quote to quote, you have you know, you have, you know, just, uh, you have all different types of processes. Mm-hmm. What, what, you know, and, and you have to understand from that process, what does the customer want? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, you have the, the whole lead generation is the nurturing process. Mm-hmm. And so you want to focus on what are the activities that 
we should be performing to try to move this along. Now I realize, you know, you can't moving a customer, moving a potential customer through a lead nurturing process is not like making a product. Right. <laughs> you know, you're, it's not going to happen in, you know, two weeks or whatever. Well, it might but, sometimes. Well, it could. But what I'm saying is you, 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 you have to know what you should be doing right. and in what cadence you should be doing it. Uh, you know, and, and are we, are we, are we doing, are we, is the process performing as it should? Right. If the process is performing as it should, that's what you want to measure. Then, you know, in some of the, you know, then the outcomes will improve. Right. That's the whole idea. So, um, you want, what you want people in a process to understand mm -hmm. is to become aware of what's value, what activities create value, what activities create, what, what activities don't create value. Yeah. And that, go ahead. Yeah. So, so that's the rub in sales. Because you have, um, if you have five salespeople, uh, guaranteed you're going to have 15 opinions. Right. 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 They, they may all agree on some stuff. Our prices are too high or something. Right. Right. But so, so how the, the issue in sales is that they don't have a rule of thumb way to, to um, distinguish the work that creates value from the work that creates waste. They, they've, been so long uh, in the environment where management is just looking at the end result. We need the revenue coming in. And, right. right. Yeah. And so yeah. when you start breaking down the process, they run into all kinds of, they go in the ditch every which way uh, mm -hmm. in sales because they're trying to like come up with some sort of best practice of how sales should be done and then enforce that with the uh, salespeople, but not all sales opportunities fit that. Right. No. Right. And and now we're having to we're in a compliance issue. Right. And right. So with the best salespeople who happen to bring in the biggest numbers this quarter or this year, maybe they get a little bit of relief and they don't have to fill out the reports as much or give us you know much much um, credence to the specific process that they were taught. Yeah. And now you have yeah. these divisions going on among the people. And once you get one of those processes in place, it's like it itself is like a monument. It's there, and that's the way the company runs things. And if the market changes around it, then the company doesn't have a way to generate evidence and data telling them that they need to change the way they do things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. So as you've um, worked with your clients, um, have, have any of them come up and said, you know, how can we use some of these ideas in sales? Oh yeah, I've had I've had that a, a few times, and in fact, I'm I have a small company I've worked with for a few years, and and I'm helping them out in in their uh, quote process right now because okay. it's a very it's a very complex process, and um, the it's a privately held company. The owner wants to the owner really believes that the the customers if they get quotes faster you know that, that they could it gives them more opportunity to make a decision and uh but it's but it's it's really rediscovery it, it's really looking at how to how to break the process because everybody everybody in the industry in this industry does it the same way and this owner wants to do it differently uh -huh. and uh you know it, it's what's interesting is that it's Everybody in turn, the, the, the people who do the quoting process are thoroughly convinced that they have to deliver an accurate quote to get an order. Right. But the reality is, is that sometimes they're quoting just because the, it's really a distributor that's calling for the quote. The distributor just needs a price to talk to a customer about something that may happen in the future. They're just trying to, put together a bid mm -hmm. or something, mm -hmm. you know, it's not like, Hey, I'm going to buy this tomorrow. And, but they don't make a distinguish. They don't distinguish between that. And right. so every, every quote is the same. 
Right. To, to the people who are in the inside the company yes. doing these quotes, everyone is the same and they're grinding them out as fast as they can. Well, they're grinding them out. It takes time and they're trying to be thoroughly accurate, even though when the request for a quote comes in, there's incomplete information. And so there's a lot of back and forth about trying to get complete information. And then the distributor calling really doesn't know because the customer just said, give me a price on this. You know, yeah. it's, yeah, it's a just, very interesting process. Yeah. They're just exploring things. And so if you, you're, it's like they're trying to create a finished good when the customer doesn't want a finished good yet. Right. Yeah. So yeah. we, we actually had a, a conversation about that the other day um, mm -hmm. and about the, you know, where where you focus. I could see, I want you to tell, uh, just relate the, that conversation we had because in, in I can see a lean-oriented person saying, well, let's lean out this quotation process so we can do it perfect every time right now. Yet, is that really the right place to focus? No, no because, it, you know, what is, I guess, you know, this is a, you know, you want the process to be productive and you want to get quality information back so the real question is what kind of what at what stage of the buying process are we in relation to getting this number this mm -hmm. quote and mm -hmm. there's two there's two pieces to it number 1 is the price and number 2 is the lead time mm -hmm. and because this this company operates in a commodity business they they make wood products mm -hmm. that you know, the, the price of the wood changes depending on availability and the lead time can change because of depending on availability because, you know, this company from an operating standpoint is lean. They don't stock a whole lot of inventory because it doesn't make sense because everything's customized. Mm -hmm. So um, if I'm calling up and I just need, give me a price, uh, but I might not call you back for a few months. Well, lead time is not important. Right. Price is important, but you know what? The odds are you're going to give me a price today, and then I'm going to call you up two months later and say, now give me the real information I need, mm -hmm. which is an accurate price and an accurate lead time because we're about to sign a contract. Mm -hmm. So it's really it's about taking the, taking the customer through a process. Where are they? in the process and how do you move them along based on your activities yeah in terms of asking the right questions right in terms of in terms of getting them a range giving them some options very quickly well you know if you want high quality here's a price if you want medium quality if you want low quality and right, right now this is our lead time because, and for budgetary and, purposes, right? If they're, yeah. they're not ready to buy yet, but they need to explore their alternatives, they need a budgetary right. kind of a quote. Uh, I know yeah. that applies in lots of industries. And yeah. a lot of companies struggle because they don't really have a way to do budgetary. Right. But this is where if you, you, know, you have to understand what is the value that your customer wants. So what does your customer really, really want? So, and, so, and sometimes they don't know. Right. Right. But and ask them. That, yeah, that gets to that uh, concept of the customer's journey, that they're going yeah, through right. certain stages that are pretty predictable. Yep. And it's different by market segment, but it's pretty yep. predictable. And if you know what those are, then, you know, what what actions are, what's the problem they're trying to solve right now? Is it a problem mm -hmm. of budgetaries or is it a problem where, nope, we're going to do a transaction. So we got to have this down yeah. to death. Yeah. Places, right. Um, and so if you are giving the customer what they want at the right time of the customer's journey, then mm -hmm. sales funnel is going to flow right. faster and more readily. Yes. If yeah. you're trying to give them, you know, quotes to two or four decimal places at the first inquiry, then you're not necessarily giving them what they want. And you're certainly spending lots of your resources to do it. And what that would be called, if, in, if that was in a manufacturing environment, that would be called overproduction. Yeah. You're, 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 you're doing much more work than really what's needed. And they do that all the time in manufacturing. Yeah, well, we do it in accounting, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, we certainly we do like it in sales. I know that for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's, it's uh, needs, you know, it, 
it's it's if you're in a highly customized environment and think about a quoting process that's a highly customized environment mm -hmm. not every quote is the same so in in manufacturing in a customized in environment what you want is you want as many of the specs up front as possible and if you don't get the specs then you keep working that process till you get all the specs you don't start making anything till you get the specs because you don't know what to make yeah and so yeah. in sales get the specs um, or you do the work yeah 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 so so or in the early stages salespeople are trying to qualify their prospects yeah. right and there's yeah. all sorts of things that are important to the sales relationship that may not yet be important with regard to specs like am i yeah. talking to a decision maker do yeah. they have budget right are right. they are they more comfortable with a competitor and they're just you know, doing price checks here, or are there, is it really yeah. possible that we could, um, you know, establish a relationship and become a major supplier for them? Who mm -hmm. in their organization makes that decision, right? There's, right? there's all sorts of things that go into an effective sales process so that when you get to the place, like, you know, giving budgetary so you can have good dialogue with them and help them solve their mm -hmm. problems. When you get to the place where you need a transaction, then the specs ought to be, you know, automatically forthcoming. Yeah. You're helping mm -hmm. them buy if you're driving them to become more specific when it's time to, to buy. Yeah. I had a client that a lot of companies get bottlenecked around this issue of doing quotes. And mm -hmm. um, one of my clients was struggling with it because it's a, it's, a, it's a key role of sales or of sales engineer yeah. to help. And so... They would go around and do lunch and learns, you know, very common in technical kinds of industries. Mm -hmm. But they decided, and they were selling to the building trades. So these are contractors that are going to be buying uh, from them. And we decided to, tr uh, we discussed with them the possibility of these lunch and learns. They're well organized. They're they're good meetings. What's the action you're trying to get the customer to take after that lunch and learn? Right. Yeah. What What is the action you want this prospect to take? Well, you want them to give you more quotes. Okay. What is the What does the prospect want from it? Well, the prospect, yeah. when he's ready for a quote, he wants it quick and he wants it good. But right. he often doesn't know how to ask for it. So he doesn't know enough to do a good request for a quote. So they worked up yep. a way to to have a lunch and learn that taught the prospect the key issues they need to be paying attention to in order to give a good enough quality quote that they could have a competitive advantage. And there was a test yeah. for the luncheon learner. Mm -hmm. If the client, yeah. the prospect agreed to, to pass that test or take that test and they got a you know reasonable score, then they entered into a special class of prospects that we are our best uh, customers, are, are members of this club, right? Mm -hmm. And for all the requests for quote that you give us, We'll guarantee turnaround of you know forty eight hours or because these are the first ones we work on, and we know you're going to give us a high quality quote, right? So that they're because, right, yeah, right. So yeah. they're qualifying it. So the the clients getting something, the prospects getting something, the selling organization is getting something, and you're increasing quality of deal flow right through the phone. Yep, and that that's a that's a very good um, lean example of. You know, trying to understand customer value, and you know the interesting thing when it comes to like a sales and marketing process, and I'm not talking about the products, for example. I'm just talking about the process of selling, mm -hmm. you know, or the process it, it, process of getting a quote or, or giving a quote. Sometimes the customer doesn't know what they need. They don't. They don't understand right. it. So right. you have to w walk them through a process to get them to better articulate and define what they need and then you can give them what they want. Yes. It's um it's not uh, you know sales doesn't produce a product. Sales is about relationships. Right. <laughs> and right. you have to develop the relationship and and it's really you know lean is about learning. I mean, you know, in mm -hmm. terms of understanding problems, and so, you know, lean, at one level, lean sales and marketing is, I would, I would make an argument that it's about eliminating all of the non-value-added activities, 
So you can spend more time developing relationships and understanding your customers better. Yes. However, it's also yeah. about understanding the value-added activities and how oh, valuable yes, yes. they are, right? Well, uh, right, yeah. So yeah. A, a story, another quick uh, story of a client. Um, this is a company called Burr Oak Tool. And we did an interview um, with Tim Dute, um, the corporate VP, and we, they went through some stages while we were working with them where the salespeople were defining their process. And this is a company that has to do quotes, incredibly mm -hmm. complex quotes on million-dollar pieces of equipment. And so the mm -hmm. bottleneck was doing those darn quotes and finding a qualified prospect. They know all the customers in their industry, right? So, so yeah. working with them, finding qualified prospects is a costly thing because of all the labor the engineering labor that goes into those relationships over time, mm -hmm. and requoting and modifying and requoting, and so, yeah. so they were uh, they had an opportunity with a new product launch to build a way to do budgetary estimates, and they built it into a spreadsheet that was tied to a website. Mm -hmm. and the website said for our new, I think it was the Triumph vendor was the thing they called this machine. Um, if you'd like to compare our our technology, our ability here to produce parts for you with our three best competitors, um, then fill out this form. And you mm -hmm. get, you know, number of parts per shift, number of changeovers, how many shifts per day, uh, you know, what your substrate is. We use aluminum or copper or whatever metal and stuff like that. And then they would provide the customer with a cost per part. Right? Based mm -hmm. on they tell them what the assumptions are for maintenance costs and electricity costs and all that kind of stuff. And then they show the comparisons with the other uh, uh, competitors. Within, um, I believe he said it was within 60 days. It might have been 45. I think it was a short time. There were three new account qualified prospects that they didn't know existed. Because people, these engineers were attracted to that website and they filled this out. And they, they were interested to learn more. So the salesperson, instead of having to scratch and make cold calls, Right? and find accounts to call on, this is handed to them on a platter. Here's a mm -hmm. new company, a new contact. They are in our industry. Here's the details of their production volumes, right? And they look yeah. for these options on the machine, and they would like to talk to you more. So the how much did it cost to generate such a qualified prospect the old way, where salespeople right. had to make cold calls and do all these quotations themselves, versus yeah. how much did it cost to create a qualified prospect this new way? They didn't know. Right. And the fact that they weren't measuring the cost of producing those interim steps of their sales, you know, those leads at the, the you mm -hmm. know, qualified stages of their sales process, it made it difficult for them to justify spending money on marketing websites, you know, opt-ins, yeah. landing pages, and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. so cost accounting, had they been had a better handle on it, would have enabled them to make this kind of investment sooner. I think, don't you? Yes. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, what that you know the the lean lesson out of that is making making an investment to automate automate and uh, a certain part of, part of a process, and uh, that saves a whole lot of time. Yeah, and, for the customer and for the salespeople. Yes, yes, and therefore. Uh, and you know it saves a lot of time, and so therefore you know now we can get down to quote unquote the brass tacks of what we really need to talk about. Yeah. Whereas the traditional approach of executives, company presidents, is we have a problem. We're not making our sales numbers. We got to focus on the sales department. Uh, oh yeah, sell more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe, but how do you yeah. know? Where's your data? Step back and look at right. the whole selling system and figure out how to improve the system. And that's going to give you a much greater return. Right, right. And that, that's what lean is all about. And um, like I said, you know, measure performance, uh, define for any, for any process, define what is at one level excellence. How should the process operate? Mm -hmm. That's what the measures tell you. Now you know in in sales and marketing, you know you're not always you know you're not always going to have a success. You know you, you give out quotes, but that doesn't mean you're going to win every quote. But at least you know you're delivering quotes 
at, at, at the rate that the customer wants it and the quality is good. It's good um, enough for what they need at that point. For what they need at that point, yeah. And uh, and if it's, um, you know, are we do is the, how is the process working? That's what lean performance measures are all about. Um, and the you know the other piece is measuring costs. Um, you know, the the cost of your sale, most of the costs, but not all, most of the costs in your sales and marketing department are fixed. The number of people that you have is not a variable cost. Right. And so you don't, you know, what you don't want to try to lower your sales and marketing labor cost because the only way you lower that cost is by getting rid of people and you don't want to do that. Um, so if you're going to, if you want to measure the cost of sales and marketing, one of, one of the best long-term measures is our cost improving is the total cost of sales and marketing as a percentage of sales. That is that over time, if you are eliminating all the non-value added work and focusing on the value added activities, that's going to improve your, your cost as a percentage of sales will go down. Why is that? Because the elimination of the non-value added activities creates time and it allows the people to focus on the value added activities, which is what you pay them to do. Yeah. So let and, me ask you a question because yeah. I have to, I've tried to talk to people about that, and and it's not a generally recognized line item on most companies' income statements that I know of. Anyway, they, I think I've heard it called cost of sales investment. What what is okay. it typically described as on the income statement when you're when you're measuring this particular measure? Well, okay, so. Uh, you know that measure does the the numbers appear on the income statement. You have to do the calculation, mm -hmm. uh, and so you know typically you have a sales department with a total total expenses, and it's just the ratio mm -hmm. of the total expenses over total revenue. But and general administrative expenses often get mixed with sales expenses. Well, I mean, is, you is could, marketing a sales expense? Is a trade show? I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, you could, you know, again, what, what are you? There, there's not like one um, standard measure. It's, it's if you think about all the sales and marketing activities, mm -hmm. if you are applying lean practices, you know, are you applying lean practices in and how you manage trade shows? You know, uh, the trade show, the, you know, are you, are you applying, if you're applying lean practices and eliminating waste, the cost over the revenue should go down over time. The percentage okay. of cost over revenue should go down over time. Not going to happen in a month, but over the course of a few years, you're probably going to see it go down. Right. Let, let me give you a quick example. Okay. And then we're going to okay, have to start so, wrapping up here, probably. Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm CFO, and you know we're. I'm working in a lean company. We're making lots of great progress. I apply lean practices in the accounting department. Over the course of a few years, I. I in I the the cost as a percentage of sales improved. The, the accounting department costs as a percentage of sales mm -hmm. went down by about 50% mm. because now you know I did not fire people but there were a few people who left to for other job opportunities it was voluntary mm -hmm. and we didn't replace them there were other people who took different jobs inside the organization because they said, oh, and one person said, oh, I always wanted to work in customer service. Can I mm -hmm. work in customer service? Sure. Go ahead. Apply for the job. And and they got the job and we didn't replace that person. So, you know, it's that's how it it's because we eliminated a lot of 
non-value-added activities, mm -hmm. it was easy to absorb. It was easy for people to absorb doing more work that was satisfying for them. Yeah, that's great. Um, a great story, and it, it reminds me of one that we'll have to talk about uh, another time. Okay, yeah. Um, when I was in an a engineering firm as the head of sales and marketing for an engineering firm, and we actually measured the cost of sales and marketing relative to the other parts of the business. We'll have to pick that mm -hmm. up. And, and your client stories of companies that have been trying to – they're using the cost numbers as a Geiger counter to say, where do we need to improve? And then you're able to demonstrate that improvement is happening – there's tons of stuff to talk about and explore uh, in applying lean management accounting uh, to sales and marketing, and I think it's. And think about this. Let me let me let me let me just let me just say one more thing, then we'll wrap things up. There's a difference between cost cutting and cost reduction. Yeah. Huge. You know, cutting a cost is looking at a number and saying that number has to go down. Make it happen. Cost reduction, such as the percentage, the, the, the ratio of a cost compared to sales over time, huh? that is a process. And how do we make that happen? It's, it's, it's the rate that goes down. It's not the absolute number. Yeah. And that's what has to be, that's, that's what you, that's one of the differences in a lean company is they don't look at cost cutting, they look at cost reduction. Fascinating. Super. So let's have to, we're going to have to do this again yeah. at some point. I really appreciate your time. And I think that there was great. lots of great insights and overviews, for, especially for sales and marketing people who may not be all that familiar or had much interest in the past uh, uh -huh. in accounting. Uh, and I really uh, appreciate the, the insights that you've shared. If someone in the audience wants to learn more, I know you've written a book on this and there's stuff on your yeah. uh, website to, uh, that applies to it. How would they get a hold of you? Okay, so the book is called The Lean CFO, and it's available on Amazon. Um, the website is www.maskell.com, -E and my email address is nkatko, K-A-T-K-O, at maskell, M-A-S-K-E-L-L.com. Super. Thank you very much, Nick, and... Uh Okay. Until we meet again. Thanks, Mike. All right. Appreciate it. Take Bye. Care. The Sales Process Excellence Podcast is sponsored by Sales Performance Consultants. Discover how to improve your B2B sales with systems thinking at salesperformance.com.